0: Hey, friends, folks, and everybody in between. It's 2, 22, and 2002. We're back with another episode of Misery Manor. I'm Cody.
1: I'm Emily.
0: And be sure to leave your manners at the door.
1: telling me i was something. like in
0: mid conversation and she just starts going okay so we'll uh put that on the sidebar and re- revisit that conversation later um yeah it's two twenty two 2002 um is this supposed to be like good luck or something
1: i don't know but i know that josh sent you a text yes message. josh
0: sent me a text message today my boyfriend <laughs> not only on 222 2002 but at 222 p.m so double whammy I can I just
1: it. say, I cannot wait until tomorrow
0: <laughs> because I've heard you say, too, 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 too. I mean, it's fun. It rolls off the tongue.
1: I wish you all could see that. It's very special.
0: Yeah. So Emily is doing a story today. It's going to be a secret. She, I begged her to tell me so that I can prepare myself for it. Best she wouldn't. But before we dive into hers, we want to give a huge shout out to our two Newest Patreons, we have Sydney, hey, and we have Polly. Polly want a cracker. Polly want a cracker. We want a Patreon, and you gave it to us, so we will send you a cracker in the mail. Yes. And speaking of mail, we have some Patreon gifts to send out. I know we've got to do that. We're gonna catch up on it. Uh, so just hang tight. We're gonna be sending you letters and stickers and early access to episodes. Um, so just bear with us. We do really, really, really appreciate the donations. So yes. And we
1: appreciate it so much that we're giving everyone early access right now because we don't know how to just give it to specifically the patrons. Right. So, but
0: but we have some homework.
1: Yeah. I, I
0: I have some homework. I'll figure that out. No,
1: I mean, it's just, we want to make sure that we're giving you everything that
0: we promise and that what you're paying it, into yeah but i will say this if you go back and listen to our earlier episodes like one through like four maybe we sound like we took a deep dive into some water to tell them yeah. and with the patreon money we've been able to buy like some new spe- um, speakers some new microphones and equipment so um thank you for helping us elevate our podcast so yes. with that let's get into yours
1: Oh, already? I feel like I had something else to say about the patrons, but I don't remember. Anyway, um, rate, review, subscribe, just because I always forget to say it at the end. It really does help us. And send us an emails because the more content we get from you guys, the more content we can create. And then we really want to involve, like, especially our patrons. I know if you uh, follow us on Instagram, we'll have, like, little polls and things like that. Because um, we have a lot of ideas and sometimes we can't decide. So right. it's easier for, you know.
0: Yeah. Our In our social to... media on Instagram, we try to keep it super interactive. So, like, feel free to, like, DM us, comment on the photos, tell us what you want us to talk about. And we just might motherfucking do that.
1: So Ooh.
0: I know, I'm an actor. So, you ready?
1: Yeah, I'm ready. Yeah. Oh, wait, our email is podcast at gmail.com.
0: Yep, all of our information's in the Instagram, so.
1: Okay, all right, you ready? I'm ready. Okay. We'll go. I'm going. <laughs> okay, well, today, as you see, it's different. You have a script in front of you.
0: Yes, I'm excited. Do I read the the red part?
1: Yes, you, okay. well, it's actually pink.
0: Pink, pink. okay. But that's okay.
1: Okay. So, um, we're not there yet, but you can kind of read along with the story and... Okay. All right. So the story has actually been done a lot. Uh, don't read along as I'm going because oh. you're going to read where I put like LOL where okay. it tells myself to laugh. Okay. This story has been done so many times, but with this killing spree inspiring my favorite movie franchise of all time and the new movie out, which I've already seen twice. It's amazing. I am doing the Gainesville Ripper, a.k.a. Danny fucking rolling, a.k.a. Scream.
0: Ooh, I love me some Scream. I didn't even, I did not know that it was, like, based on a true story, though.
1: Yes. Or, like,
0: I'm assuming it's, like, ideas
1: from a... Yeah. Right, okay. Well, based off of, yeah. It's it's not, like, there are no characters in the movie that are, you know, the victims or anything like that. Okay. Um, So. Sweet. The idea of it. Okay. So. Um... Like so many killers, Danny Rowling had a terrible and abusive childhood at the hands of his father. Danny was born to 19-year-old Claudia and police officer James in 1954 Shreveport, Louisiana. His father, James, was a decorated war veteran and most likely suffered a combination of post-traumatic stress and inherent mental illness. James was known to be temperamental, controlling, and violent towards Claudia, Danny, And Danny's younger brother, Kevin. Asshole. Yeah. Oh, because you have a Kevin in your story that was an asshole.
0: No, he just sounds horrible.
1: Oh, yeah. He was terrible. And
0: that was not Kevin. That was... Anyways. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry.
1: (laughs) When Danny was only one year old, when his father... Oh. Danny was only one year old when his father abused him for the first time. He was beaten because he wasn't crawling properly.
0: Mm, didn't know there was a rule book on how to crawl.
1: Apparently so. When Kevin, Danny's younger brother, was born in 1995, the abuse only worsened. So that's what I'm like. Keep in mind, he was born in 1954. Mm-hmm. So like he was abused as a one year old. A year later, his brother's born, and then the worse. Right. It gets. Okay. <laughs> so so like, like as was... a two year old, he's just
0: well. He's like born into abuse.
1: Yeah, um, Claudia, the mother, tried escaping the marriage only to return time and time again. Um, Like I said, I'm not blaming her for that. I'm just letting you know, lots of instability here. Um, When Danny failed the third grade because he missed so many days of school due to illness, his mother had a nervous breakdown. Danny saw the school counselor and was described as, quote, suffering from an inferiority... How do you say that? inferiority? complex with aggressive tendencies and poor impulse control around his teens. Danny used art and music to find solace from all the bad things that were happening at home. One of his happiest memories was getting a guitar as a Christmas gift when he was 15 years old. Also at this time, Danny admitted that is when he developed his multiple personalities as a quote defense from the nightmarish reality around him. So, so. he was just, you know, basically well, sometimes
0: they he was probably wanting to escape what he was going through, so he probably had multiple personalities to kind of like put himself in a different yeah.
1: like alternate realities basically. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um his mother eventually attempted suicide by slitting her wrist and was then admitted into psychiatric care. Danny turned to drugs and alcohol and then attempted suicide himself as an escape from the abuse and pain, but failed. So, All around great life so far. Um, Fast forward, Danny joined the Air Force only because the Navy wouldn't take him and was ultimately kicked out for drug possession in 1972. Um, Looking for something more stable than the home he came from, Danny went to live with his grandparents for a time. Then is when he started going to church and he met a woman named Omather Halko.
0: Ooh, strong name. Omather. Omather. I like that.
1: It makes me think of Eminem, because isn't his name Marshall Mathers? No clue. <clears throat> Neither. They got married and had a daughter. But falling into the cycle of abuse, Danny drove her away with the exact same behavior his own father bestowed on him, his mother, and his brother. He actually threatened to kill her at one point, and that is the point she left. So now in his early twenties, Danny is already exhibiting disturbing behavior and habits. He is dedicated to the act of voyeurism and disturbing visions, and the divorce escalated all of this. And just because I wasn't one hundred percent sure, um, voyeurism is like, um like peeping toms, but oh, okay, like
0: like that you get off on the act of like,
1: like watching people do it and stuff, but like, they don't know that you're watching what do you mean, them. Do it. Like sexy time.
0: Oh, oh! I was yeah. like, do what? Okay. Ew. I was thinking, yeah. Like you just get off on like seeing other people. Yeah. Okay. Got
1: it. Um, but when I see it, I think of like Star Trek Voyager, and then it—I don't know. It's just a weird thing. Okay. One night, Danny was out, um, simply just being, and found a woman who resembled his ex-wife and mother to his child, and he raped the woman. Later that same year, 1977, Danny was in a car accident and killed a woman. This apparently really troubled him, which I thought was interesting. Um, Though he wasn't arrested for the rape or the involuntary manslaughter, he was eventually arrested for the multiple armed robberies he would soon commit and was placed in jail in Jackson, Georgia in 1979. Upon his release, Danny continued his piece of shit lifestyle and was in and out of jail throughout the 80s. Being arrested in Alabama, Mississippi, Mississippi, and again in Georgia um, for armed robbery. On his time off, Danny liked traveling the country, walking on beaches, stealing, and occasionally forcing himself on women, which was just
0: that's like, hideous.
1: I know. In November 1989, he found himself back in Shreveport, working as a server at a restaurant but he was soon fired. The very night he was fired from his job, Danny broke into a home murdering 24-year-old Julie Grissom, her 8-year-old nephew, nephew Sean, and her 55-year-old father Tom. Oh, yeah.
0: Did so did they all live together?
1: Or I don't know. Um That Like, when I read it, it was just, like, into a home, so I'm wondering if it's, like...
0: Maybe he was visiting.
1: I mean, obviously, like, sister was watching the baby, Uh. and maybe... I mean, like, because I've had, like, a go-home on the weekends, and, like, my mom and I will be watching Mari or something, so it's, like, me, my mom, and my niece, you know what I mean? And, like, everyone else is out or something like that, so um, I'm thinking it's just something like that. Yeah. When the bodies were found, uh, Julie's body had been arranged in an explicit manner on the bed. Her body covered in bite marks and her legs were spread open. Um, This becomes a theme in his killing sprees. So we'll get into that in a couple of paragraphs. Um, Several months pass and in May of 1990, Danny and his father James got into an argument. Danny shot his 58-year-old father twice, once in the stomach and once in the head. James survived. He lost one of his ears and his sight and one eye, but he lived, which is wild. Um, so Danny just left. He changed his identity with papers he had stolen from a previous break-in and fled to Kansas.
0: He, and he did that because the guy survived? His dad? Yeah.
1: I, I think he, that was just like the last time he like talked mm-hmm. to his dad. He was just like, they got in this argument and he shot him and then he left. Okay. I mean, he lives like the drifter lifestyle. Right. Um, Yeah. So, anyway, he went to Kansas first and then found himself settling in Gainesville, Florida with his new name, Michael Kennedy Jr. But that's all we'll hear of the name. Okay. Um, It's August of 1990. Uh, Students are arriving for the fall semester at University of Florida Danny is literally camping in a wooded area behind the campus like a fucking weirdo when he stalked his soon-to-be victims so he's watching everybody move in he's Ew. looking at faces just watching he's like poaching yes actually yes he had a screwdriver to pry open doors duct tape to stifle screams and nine millimeter pistol. And a thirty-four-dollar replica of a Marine Corps knife, he later described as "quote good for killing," and he oh. described it to investigators as that.
0: I love how you put the price, thirty-four dollars.
1: I well, it was in there and I was just like, no,
0: I'm like, oh yeah, let me go get one.
1: <laughs> I mean, I have a favorite knife that I like cook with, like mm-hmm. I use when I'm cooking. Yeah, but it was from Home Goods, and it was like. Nine dollars, yeah. and I went to culinary school. And my knife was only nine dollars, so he was splurging there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, so here we go. Um, it begins August 24th. Danny follows two incoming freshmen, Sonia Larson and Christina Powell, home. He broke into their house and simply outpowered them. Danny was a big guy, he was muscular, he was six foot two, and just massive guy right um trigger he first went into the room of sonia larson and stabbed her while she slept in an upstairs bedroom killing her he then went into christina's room and forced her to perform oral sex on him which is absolutely vile um while raping christina i hate this part he while raping christina he repeatedly stabbed her in the back saying Take the pain, bitch. Take the pain.
0: I can't. That's disgusting. Say it. That's horrible.
1: I know. At some point, he did return upstairs to Sonia's body. Um, He raped her dead body again.
0: That's uh, necrophilia.
1: Yes. Um, uh, Then he ate an apple and a banana.
0: Okay, so he was like, you know what? I need to be a little healthy. Yeah. And he had him a little fruit. Fruit, okay, fruit interesting. Bowl, interesting. Fruit
1: salad. Um but then he decided that he would cut the nipples off of both the girls. Oh,
0: the nipple play.
1: Yeah. And he took What did he
0: do with the nips?
1: I think those girls, um, he took those four home with
0: him. Oh, as a little treat.
1: Yeah. Um, then he posed their bodies. Um, both girls were found with their mouths duct taped and hands bound behind their backs. Um, their legs were also spread apart. Yeah. Um, the following day, Danny subdued Santa Fe community college student Krista Hoyt after she got out of the shower. He had been watching her through a window from the inside. Um, after overpowering her, he then used his knife to cut off her clothes and sexually quote, played with her. But I would like to edit that to sexually assaulted her. Yeah. Which like, now going back reading, he was watching her take a shower, then he like let her get dressed. You know, it's like when did he decide that he? I mean, if you see the pictures of these girls, they're like petite little girls, in their and gorge. he's yeah, they're all beautiful. Not that that matters, but right. like, and he's like this big guy. He could have gone in at any moment, but it's like he wanted it to be the most like. He wa- yeah. Unexpected um, vulnerable moment. He, it could yeah.
0: be. And he wanted to do all the night, like rip the clothes off. He wasn't oh, just going to grab her when she's yeah. out the shower. No, he wants, if he's going to do it, he wants it to be a full blown scene, right?
1: Right. So after brutally raping and stabbing her, Danny, this is probably one of the worst. Um, I don't want to discount any of the other murders, but this is the most like um, gruesome. Um, Danny decapitated her and... Also cut her nipples off. But this time he left those nipples beside her body. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Sorry. (laughs) He left those nipples. So those nipples were not worthy to be taken home.
1: No, he wanted to leave those there. Um, He returned to his campsite. And then he was like, fuck, I think I left my wallet. So he went back to the apartment. And this is when he posed um Krista's body he had her body leaning up and keep in mind there's no head so Uh he has her body leaning up on the ground against the bed like the Uh mattress and he placed her head on a bookshelf facing that side of the bed staring at the headless corpse
0: almost to like that's like some like symbolism like he's like
1: I don't know. That's insane. Yeah, and- I'm not quite sure what it means, but yeah. Uh, so I know I've read reports of the, some of the police officers when they walked in, it was like just they they were so dumbfounded to even like who the fuck thinks of that, right? Like, he just does. not something you see no. every day in law enforcement. Um, after Krista's murder, word is spreading around campus, and students are panicking. Police released as much information as they could to try and catch who was responsible. Class was canceled for a week because, keep in mind, this is only like is day one, day, the second murder, right? So we're on day two. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's like rapid.
1: So they're like, "All right, class is canceled." Um, students were buying baseball bats and just carrying them around with them wherever they went.
0: Well, I don't blame them.
1: And they weren't even going many places, but if they did, they were traveling in groups, sleeping in groups, and taking every precaution to stay safe. No one went anywhere alone. They were sleeping in shifts to ensure that at least one person was awake at all times in the house. Um, but unfortunately, the murders did continue uh, one last time. By the end of August, out of the thousands of students who actually had left campus at this time... Around 700 never came back in fear of their lives. And so this the is just universe, a
0: week. the university lost a lot of money too then. Seven, Who the fuck
1: cares? No,
0: but I'm saying like this isn't yeah. just affecting these lives. The, the universities, is Like this is like huge. 700 students not coming back. That's a big fucking deal. Not only is he taking the lives of these people, but now people aren't going to college there anymore. Like I'm sure people were fucking outraged. He's destroying the entire city.
1: Right. I mean... It's just like the spree killings, it's so, I mean, I mean, look, so like, to imagine to like live when Richard Ramirez was going around in Sacramento and killing people is terrifying and it's such a long amount of time, but this was just so quick. It was like people couldn't even prepare themselves and you'll see in this next murder that I'm about to get into, it's, it's like, it's literally from a movie. Yeah. Um, so here we go. August 27th, Tracy Pauls or Paulus and Manuel Taboa Taboada, both 23 years old, were roommates. I don't know if they were dating, but they lived together. Mm-hmm. They were in different rooms. I'm guessing maybe I know a lot of girls that have gone to college and like they lived with like a guy friend and their yeah, parents I mean, just normal. felt more comfortable too. Yeah. Um not that women can't take care of themselves, okay? I'm just saying. This was 90s here. Um, Danny attacks Manuel first. He is stabbed in his sleep. Manuel is an ex-football player, so he's also a big guy, and he puts up a fight. Actually, according to Danny's own story, Manuel almost got to him. Like, he almost took him out. Took him out? Yeah. Um, But he eventually... Danny overpowers Manuel and he soon dies from his wounds one of the wounds that Danny gave him was a stab wound through Manuel's abdomen all the way throughout to his like went through his back you just know that he was trying to protect Tracy which is so heartbreaking because Mm -hmm. I'm sure there was a lot of noise going on and like so just imagine and you'll see she heard all of it
0: yeah from Uh, upstairs huh
1: I don't know if it was upstairs. i I thought I read somewhere that it was, um, but either way, from the other room, she could hear it. So he was stabbed over thirty times. Uh, Tracy appears in the hall with a curling iron. She and was. What?
0: She was ironing her hair.
1: No, she was not ironing her hair, but.
0: Oh, she's using that as a.
1: Yes. Oh my
0: god! I thought this baby girl was about to go out for a night no no so that she probably grabbed that that was the only thing because she oh because like you said she heard it she probably yeah. grabbed it like oh shit i better get ready yeah yeah and
1: like but then i think like maybe the plug like the
0: cord cord strangle him and
1: then i don't know but i mean i also too like well she doesn't know what he looks like and he's really he is tall like because i've seen like court things and yeah. he's a pretty tall guy okay but he's also like I don't think I mentioned it until the very end. Like, some, like one of the prosecutors or someone mentions that he was dressed like a ninja. But, like, in Scream, Ghostface is in all black. Well, so is he. He was okay. dressed in all black. He's living in the woods. Like, blood doesn't show up on all black, like, in the nighttime and things like that. So, he's he's in one of his personalities, okay. I guess you can say. But it's not like it's uncontrollable. This is something he creates to escape yeah. his reality, right? right? Okay. So, um, this is super haunting, but, uh, they meet in the hallway. Danny's standing there. He's got this foot long knife. It's dripping with blood. He's covered in blood. I know I said he's wearing black, but it's just his shirt soaked with blood. And Tracy looks at him and she goes, you're the one, aren't you? And he goes, yeah, I'm the one. (sighs) Danny proceeds to strap to stab Tracy this time, the bodies were not mutilated. They weren't posed. I'm thinking because...
0: I think she humanized herself.
1: Do you see... I don't know. I think he was so tired and so caught off guard that he almost... Like, someone almost got him.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, like, with... All the noise, it was probably, like, in a little house or, like, a little apartment or something. And
0: you said that Manuel was, like, a big dude. Yeah. He could very well be hurt, too, at this point. He's like, yeah. I just need to go Good home. Point. He could be exhausted because the guy was big. He's probably just like, you know, there could be a number of things. I think he might... I think she could have humanized him a little bit.
1: But all she said, she was just like, fuck, you're it.
0: But nobody else... You, you don't know if she's crying. Um I'm... Sh- But the other people that he attacked were, like, sleeping, some of them. Right. And a lot of people that do that, they commit that on purpose. They can't retaliate. They don't have a time to, like, they
1: Mm -hmm. don't have time
0: for them to, like, almost feel bad, you know? Yeah. So, I don't know.
1: And, too, he was, he was, well, he was doing something a little different this time. Yes, the three people back in Louisiana, it was... It was a young girl. It was an older man and a small boy, which we never even really touched on, that he literally killed an eight-year-old kid. But um, this is a young Sprite dude. Yeah. So this is a little different, but you can't say that he didn't know that because he watched all of them. He Mm -hmm. knew the people he was walking into. So um, anyway, Um, it's also to note that... All of these murders, they took place within a two-mile radius of each other around the University of the Florida. Why do I say it like that? University of Florida campus. Okay. Later this same day, Danny robs a nearby First Union bank, but the cash had a dye pack that exploded and caused him to drop the cash and his gun during the robbery. Um, I'm thinking this happened earlier mm-hmm. during the day. Um, this did lead to a police pursuit to his campsite, where a cassette tape in which Danny described how to quick kill animals and other material from the crime scenes were found. Um, but he wasn't there, and he wasn't caught, not yet. And I know you're going to ask me if the nipples were there, and I don't know.
0: No, I forgot to ask that. Okay. I'm assuming they were not. I,
1: I don't know. Now, police knew these murders were all linked, but keep in mind, too, that Danny's father is a 20-year veteran cop in Shreveport, Louisiana. Mm-hmm. He taught his son how to give and take abuse, but he also taught him how to cover his tracks, whether it was intentional or not. Danny disposed of everything he brought with him to the crime scenes. Duct tape, he topped and tossed in dumpsters. He also used cleaning solvents on the bodies to remove any traces of semen, which this is, like, early early 90s we were talking here pre-oj which is a few years later which is one of the first well-known cases that dna was ever even used in like the public knew about so for him to it's like okay his dad was an investor a detective or a cop or whatever so he must have known this dna thing's coming something's work you know right we've got something going on here because also I don't want you to think that Danny Rowling is smart because he's not. He, is, I, he was like 90 or something like that. He was like a fucking idiot. Mm-hmm. So, But he knew something about that. But it doesn't really matter because he left some DNA. So, the double homicide of Tracy and Manuel were Danny's last murders before being arrested. He continued to break into homes and gas stations, robbing and stealing what he could. And he was caught in Ocala, September 8, 1991. But not until after a high-speed chase ensued with local authorities, which he obviously lost. Danny was wanted for a robbery at a Winn-Dixie in the area. So at the time of this arrest, police didn't know he was responsible for the Gainesville Ripper killings. They were arresting him for all of the robberies and break-ins that had been happening. Um, The triple murder in Shreveport um, of Julie Grissom, her father and nephew, clued the Gainesville police into their suspect grissom's corpse was left in a sexual position she was also stabbed to death it wasn't until january 1991 more than four months after the murders that police caught a break because of the similarities of the murders in shreveport and gainesville florida investigators sought dna of prisoners from shreveport who were incarcerated danny Rowling's dna was similar enough to dna left at the gainesville murder scenes to charge him with the murder boom yeah, that wouldn't happen today, but back then.
0: Yes. No, yeah, there's so. yeah. If this happened today, maybe it would have been a wrap already.
1: Right. So, uh, this part's just a little, a little fun thing I added in here. It's called weird shit Danny said to fellow inmates while in prison, <laughs> and um, I know you already know this, but they had a nickname for him, and it was psycho.
0: Yeah, and that's very fitting. It should have been Nipple Boy. <laughs> <laughs> nipple Boy. Nipple Boy. Okay.
1: Okay. Um, he didn't make direct confessions to the murders he committed. He only alluded to bad things he had done. But this ends up changing. So um, he would throw an absolute fit when other inmates watched Madonna's music videos on MTV. Ah. Uh. Yeah. He would tell them that she was evil and that he wanted to cut her head off and place it on a bookshelf. What? Well, okay. Yeah. So, he would fall on the floor of his jail cell and moan about demons, stare at the sun, and complain more about Madonna.
0: What is...
1: I I don't know.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, he told them that the Gainesville victims were all evil, and that is why they were killed. No, killed. Not that he killed them. And he would state this after quoting scripture Bible study. So,
0: okay, that's contradictory.
1: A little bit. So, he told one... eight. <laughs> he, He told one inmate to stop living in sin and marry his girlfriend. He constantly boasted of his sweet karate skills and performed what he called martial arts drills. While it was mentioned that he initially wouldn't admit to the killings, he did end up caving. And according to fellow inmate Bobby Lewis... Danny loved the fame that he came that came along with the brutal college killings. Danny was quoted as saying, when I get through telling my story, I'll be the most famous person in the United States. So he wasn't, and most people don't even know the story behind Scream, so suck it.
0: Yeah, I didn't know he had anything to do with this.
1: Right. So. Bitch. Big part of this story is going to be this next part, and this is where your little script comes in. Okay. Um. So just... Are you on the right page? Yeah. Okay okay, so at the time of the murder trial, Danny was already serving four life terms for a robbery and burglary spree after the killings. While Danny was awaiting trial, he reached out to freelance reporter and writer Sandra London. T- Sandra 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 London. Sandra, in her 40s at the time, received a letter from inmate Danny Rawling in June of 1992 asking her to tell his story to the world.
0: so the letter started off i guess you know who i am and then the letter began i really like that thing you wrote and i want you to write my story i want you to be the one to do my story
1: this he's like he's mine he he's yeah what
0: about the fucking victims but i get it he might want i mean he can't tell a story
1: I mean, I guess no one would listen, but this was nothing unusual for Sandra to receive. Um, It was a regular occurrence for her to receive letters from the incarcerated asking her to quote, immortalize them in literature. The story that Danny refers to in his letter to Sandra is that of Gerald John Schaefer. Sandra had dated him for about a year when she was in high school.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I think they both were in high school, actually. So, um, this is before he became a cop and murdered more than 30 women between 1966 and 1973. The book is called Killer Fiction. Sandra was inspired to write her story because of Anne Rule's The Stranger Beside Me. Turns out that Sandra was, in fact, familiar with Danny Rawlings and the crimes he had committed. So they began to exchange letters back and forth for the next several months. And that's not all they exchanged.
0: Wait, they were exchanging, like, love notes? Or was it, like work like like I she's a journalist, the, right?
1: Yeah. Okay. But I am sorry. Did the rab-
0: the rabbit did this little flick.
1: Oh, part. you know what? He's he's digging in the like corner in the okay. carpet. Okay. I don't hear it anymore. Okay. Um So they began to exchange feelings for one another. Okay. According to Sandra, it took about nine months to, quote, become more personal. Remember at the beginning of the story when I mentioned that one of Danny's early escapes from abuse was music? Well, after professing his love to Sandra, he started to send her poems he wrote about her and the way she made him feel. Though Sandra admits to the mutual feelings they had for one another, she explains that her priority at the time was the story and not their romantic relationship. So she made many attempts to meet Danny in person, but was continuously denied by prison officials. Sandra said that they kept coming up with different reasons for not allowing her to see them, but was eventually told that they were denying her request because their friendship wasn't leading to marriage. I don't 100% understand this or know if I believe it, but she wrote Danny to tell...
0: Well, they're basically saying, like, "You, there's no point. You're not going to marry this guy. He's in jail. So why do you need to come see him?
1: Oh, right. So, well, uh, okay. And so... That's she why she said t- yeah. she is like she wrote Danny to tell him that this was a loophole that they had to jump through to finally be able to eat to meet one another. They became engaged and were apparently allowed to be married, but non person. They remained engaged and continued to exchange letters until eventually Sandra got a call from an officer at the Florida Department of Law Enforcement who had arranged a special visitors pass for Sandra to finally meet Danny face to face. Do you want to know what her first impression of Danny Rowling was?
0: Of course.
1: Okay. I thought he was a real cornball. My first impression is that he must be some kind of yokel. Do you know what a yokel is?
0: It's like a country fuck. Yeah. Right?
1: Yeah, an an uneducated and unsophisticated person from the countryside. I learned later that Danny had very little sense of who he really is. So for him to manifest, he has to put on a costume of some kind. I thought he was a crazy and schizophrenic, probably.
0: That's fucked up and weird and she's gross.
1: Right. But that's only one of her first impressions because then she explains it later. She explains it, um... To the host of ABC Six and well, I guess that's just channel in 1994, but he's the host of some show, John Donovan. So this is again her first impression. Okay. When I was brought into the prison and introduced to Danny behind glass, all of a sudden I found myself responding to him in a physical way. And I was not prepared for that. My ears went red. It's a physiological response and this is why I had to admit that I love him. In her 1993 book, Knocking on Joe, Sandra went into further detail of her physiological reactions to Rawling, remembering him as a gorgeous hunk and a dangerous pussycat. I approached my meeting with Danny, thinking I was prepared for anything, but there was one thing I was not prepared for. I had no idea what a fine-looking man he is today. Instead of the broken and dejected loser I'd seen on TV, standing before my hungry eyes was one gorgeous hunk of a man. I'm sorry, folks, but it's the truth. My maximum man stands in opposing six-foot-two with muscles out to here. His color is bright, his youthful skin is glowing, his hazel eyes are clear, and so is his head. The news footage publicized the courtroom image of him stumbling about awkwardly, stupefied by Thorazine. I don't know what the fuck that is. I think it's a person. And seeming lost in his own body. But now my dangerous pussycat strides across the floor with a ling-something power and instinctive grace that makes me highly aware that I am a woman. And this is a man. Mm. So that's what she said. She's wet. Ew!
0: Well, shit. Are you? Not at all. Draws can be reading after hearing (laughs) that.
1: (laughs) There was more, but, like, I just was outdone. Okay. And she looks like, I don't know, like, fucking Roseanne or something. I don't know. I'm going to post her picture. Okay. As you can imagine, the fact that Danny Rawling has this true crime author girlfriend or serial killer groupie, as many refer to her as, did not bode well for either of them. The families of the victims accused Sandra of trivializing and making a mockery of their children's lives. In 1993, Sandra announced that she had obtained rights to everything of Danny's, his songs, because oh yeah, he wrote songs. Yeah. Writings. I'm guessing his poems. Mm-hmm. Art. Everything. She was then prohibited from seeing Danny Rawlings at all, and was accused of misrepresenting herself and her purpose of gaining access to him in the first place. This did not stop their love people. Their strange love affair continued. During a recent sentencing hearing for one of Danny's many robberies, he was 39 at the time, Danny was granted the opportunity to speak after the judge read him his sentence. This verbatim is what he said.
0: Sandra, they might keep you from me, but I want you to know... They can't stamp out the love and affection that I have for you in my heart.
1: Then he proceeded to serenade Sandra, 45, in the courtroom. I have watched it and it is beyond cringeworthy. Here are some of the lyrics.
0: Just tell me, baby, what were my words as all my tears run together, baby, just like rain.
1: And I showed Cody and he is literally just saying that over and over again. this This is so weird, but in the article I was reading, it is noted that Sandra was seen, and keep in mind, this was publicized on television. And we watched it. She was seen biting her bottom lip and staring lustfully over at Danny. She also had a ring around her neck that was for Danny that she kept holding up and twiddling between her creepy ass fingers. I'm done.
0: Yeah, she's gross and weird, and she's wet again.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And I am dead. Okay, it doesn't end there, though. The following February, Danny sent a gushing letter to the Washington Post in response to his feelings for Sandra. In his words,
0: Sandra runs deep as the Amazon River and just as wild. She's an extremely exciting woman. My feelings for her are my feelings. Just the mention of her name sends my heart racing to her. She is without a doubt my soulmate, and I thank God above for sending her my way. We are desperately reaching for each other daily across miles of red tape cast before us by (laughs) faceless foes. Whatever the fuck that means. We are denied even the simplest of human rights. Just to hold hands and speak to each other during a simple visit. Hmm. I'm an actor. That was pretty good.
1: That was good. <laughs> also, I love how he's complaining that they can't hold hands.
0: But... Right, and meanwhile, your hands not only cut off nipples of people, but you <laughs> killed some people. So keep them hands to yourself, Danny boy. <laughs>
1: Okay, so moving past all this craziness with Sandra and Danny and on to other things that happened during the trial. In February 1994, just before the start of his trial, Rawling abruptly changed his plea to guilty. To determine the sentence, jurors listened to testimony from his mother, who recounted the abuse the defendant had received at the hands of his father, and from a psychiatrist who described an alternate personality of Rawling's named Gemini who drove him to his sadistic acts Danny's public defender Johnny Kern stated that Danny shouldn't be executed for his crimes because he was mentally ill when he committed them he explained Danny's unstable upbringing and abuse by his law enforcement father I don't know if his dad being a cop had anything to do with it but it was mentioned in the trial like I don't know if he like I don't know I don't know if he was like so mad that like his dad could. I don't know, and he just thought he had to be bad because his, right. I don't know, and he just didn't like cops because his dad was a piece of shit. But yet he had all this authority, so I I don't know. Either way, it's terrible. So. Mm-hmm. Kearns also brought up the fact that Danny's behavior and violence worsened after his wife and daughter left him in the late 1970s. So super fuck that guy for blaming it on his family that chose to leave and have a better life without him. His defense was that Danny's quote mental illness manifested itself in murder and that Danny was fulfilling the expectations of his father. In court, it was said that Danny suffered from borderline personality disorder, typified by violent mood swings, unstable relationships, insecurity, and psychosexual disorder. Apparently, his interest in voyeurism was the fault of a friend who taught him to look into windows as a teen. Then when Danny's dad found out, he was beaten for it.
0: As he should be.
1: Right. But at the same time, like, he still did that and then... He like watched all these people and then killed them. Yeah, yeah. So none of these are excuses, but this is what was used in court as a defense for Danny. But my favorite part was this quote: "Rolling also thought he was possessed by demons, a coping mechanism for him to understand his acts that caused his breaks with reality." Two other psychiatrists also testified that a severe personality disorder was in play, but stated their belief that Rowling understood the magnitude of his crimes. So I. Probably I'm gonna agree with that one. Right. Uh, the jury unanimously found Rawling guilty of first-degree murder on all five counts in late March, and a month later he was sentenced to death. So this is just for the the five in Gainesville. This isn't for any of the the three prior family members, okay. yeah, in Shreveport. Uh, defense attorney Rod Smith explained that the only appropriate sentence for Danny was death by electric chair. <laughs> ah, Cody.
0: Electric chair, honey. He
1: discounted claims by the defense that Danny's life was clouded by physical abuse, mental illness, and drug and alcohol abuse. Smith described him as a hunter that stalked his victims. While talking about how Danny dressed almost like a ninja in all black the nights of the murders, Smith said the predator found his prey dark clothes for a dark night for a dark purpose. And with that, his appeals exhausted. Danny faced execution at Florida State Prison on October 25th, 2006, which was my 16th birthday.
0: I was about to say, and yours is on the 24th? Your birthday's on the 24th?
1: October 25th, oh, 2006. Shit. No, your birthday. It was my 16th birthday. Oh, duh. Oh, my God. Danny's last meal was, oh, <laughs> my God, was not birthday cake. Lobster tail served with drawn butter. Butterfly shrimp with cocktail sauce, a baked potato with sour cream and butter, strawberry cheesecake, and sweet tea.
0: I think that is so fucked up to all these people to just eat. Why? You going to hell?
1: I don't know, but in Texas, they can't do it anymore. They don't give you your last meal. I wouldn't
0: eat. I'd just be like, no, go ahead and just kill me. Thank you, though. (laughs) Actually, I'd eat sushi. I (laughs) was going to.
1: I literally was about to say you'd have a poke bowl, but okay. Um, remember those big, like, bur- like pokey burritos yes. that you would get? Yes, okay. so fucking love them. Okay. Um, in his final moments, the, 52- <laughs> the 52-year-old entertained the 47 people crammed into the witness room with one of his songs. Oh, he wrote this. A religious hymn with the refrain. Are you ready?
0: None greater than thee, oh Lord, none greater than
1: thee. Yeah, he was really creative. Um, actually, his microphone was then cut off, ending a life story as twisted as any that could appear on the big screen. Which, like, LOL that they were like, fuck your him, and cut off.
0: Yeah, fuck your him. These 47 people are crammed in here. They're hot, and they're pissed. So either- I'm
1: hot because you made me turn the fucking air off. <laughs> okay, but... Yeah, forty-seven people is a lot of people, and and it yeah. did mention that it was like over capacity. But mm-hmm. what are you gonna do? Tell them right. no? No,
0: they yeah. People are there to see this evil man. A lot of people were affected by this,
1: right? Well, I mean, and I'm wondering too, like maybe there were people. Suffering from like PTSD, that it was probably so yeah. scared
0: this could be closure and they
1: needed to like see that he was dead. And it was
0: probably like their professors from college, yeah, um, friends, family you know, these well, people I mean, are involved in sports, these were very pretty girls. They probably had a lot of people that they knew.
1: Well, so. I mean, some there was the guy, there's Manuel yeah. too, but yeah. I'm just like, this is the first time a lot of these kids are probably living on their own too, so yeah, they're anyway. Anyway, so for those of you who are fans of the franchise, this name may ring a bell, Kevin Williamson. In March 1994, a struggling actor and screenwriter named Kevin Williamson became engrossed in a news program about a drifter who terrorized the town of Gainesville, Florida, with the murders of five college students over three days in August of 1990. Spooked, he hammered out the screenplay for what became Scream. The successful 1996 Fright Flick that was celebrated for its knowing winks at horror film tropes and breathing new life into the genre. So he and Wes Craven are responsible for making Scream, the sensation it was, and not fucking Danny Rowling.
0: Not you? No.
1: There are memorials across the University of Florida campus, including five trees planted to honor the victims, and a mural painted alongside a brick wall, urging students to never forget. Aww. Yeah, so those who are responsible for actually painting the mural didn't expect it to stay up so long because it's on this big, long stretch with a bunch of different murals that are, like, always changing. Yeah. And um, this is still up there to this day, and it's regularly kept up. People paint it, like and make refreshed sure it's fresh. Mm-hmm. Do you have a picture of it? I do. Okay, we'll upload it to the Insta. Yeah, we will. So um, my sources are all things... God damn it, I always say that wrong. AllThat'sInteresting.com, an article by Luke Kenton of the Sun, Biography.com, and a report by Jim Lundner and Tom Lusman of the Orlando Sentinel.
0: Did you have a stroke?
1: I, like, everybody that writes a fucking article has the most complicated last name.
0: Well, that was good. Um, you know, I did learn um, we have two hands for a reason, and that is protect your two nipples. <laughs> I, I can't get over the nipples. Why the nipples? I don't know. I get when people cut off, like, fingers
1: oh. and, like,
0: DNA stuff, but what the fuck did the nipples do? I don't
1: know. I think he ate them.
0: Oh. Um, also, it's been a very nipply day. For those of you who don't know, um, Emily got her nip-nips pierced today.
1: <laughs> uh, Cody already had his nip-nip pierced, and I just wanted to be like him.
0: Yeah. So, it's been a nipply episode, but um, now I kind of want to watch Scream.
1: Ooh, I watched the new. Oh, that was what I was going to say earlier in my news. I watched the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie and it was so bloody. I was so glad. Oh, I think that's why my stomach hurt. I
0: don't like the gory, like the blood and stuff. I can't do that. I can hear about it. I just don't want to see it.
1: Oh, baby.
0: No, I'm not going to be able to do it.
1: There was actually a mallet part in this one.
0: I can't believe I said pellet. Oh, God, whatever. Pellet. I said a pellet.
1: Oh, uh, Not yeah. a mallet, whatever. I only know what a mallet is because for some reason the other day, my dad had to use one. And he was like, this is a mallet. Because he always has to tell me what things yeah. are. So I don't look like a fucking idiot like when I didn't know what an ice pick was.
0: I didn't know what sodomy was.
1: That's true. Oh, my gosh. Remember when I, turned, I told you I turned on my ice machine for you? And you were like, well, I'm not drinking this week. Fucking forgot to turn it off. And so there was just ice all in my freezer. Oh, no.
0: That's my fault.
1: (laughs) Anyway, rate, review, subscribe.
0: Thank you, guys.
1: Email us. Yes, email us. Bye. I'm
0: having a stroke. Bye. Oh, bye.